mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 12. We're going to be beginning this morning in verse 37. But by way of review, we're going to see that Jesus, I mean, really, we've seen it in chapter 11, but he's completely ended and put an exclamation point up on ending his public ministry. In fact, these Greeks wanted to see him and they found Philip, which was a Greek name. And then Philip found Andrew and the between they went to try to see Jesus, and Jesus said, my hour has come. And of course, we've been going through the testimony here that Jesus kept saying, what does that have to do with me? It's not my hour yet. It's not my hour yet. It's not my time yet. And we see now that when people are wanting to see him, he's saying no. His hour has come. And we want to understand this in context of what's going on in the Bible. And I want you to understand that he begins to talk to them about a seed falling to the ground. He begins to talk to them about the law of sowing and reaping. And if you are in the Bible at all, you will see that the law of sowing and reaping is all the way through the Bible. But he says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much or produces much grain. And he's referring to and gets to the point that they have rejected and rejected and put it off and decided not to listen. They are not drawing near to him and they wait till the hour is too late. Because in life, listen to me. There's an hour when it's too late. It's too late. Today is the day for salvation. I was talking with somebody, and if you listen to culturanity, salvation is just saying a prayer. Salvation, soteriology, is about being made whole, being made clean, brought back under the authority into the house of God. It's not a one-time prayer. Today is the day to surrender. Today is the day to come back into his house. Today is the day to accept the Mashiach, the Christ, the Messiah of God, and say, I am wrong. I changed my mind. I want to live for you and hear your voice and follow you. And I want to do what you have done and fall to the ground in humility and bow down and die so that you can produce much fruit through my life and make me the man or the woman of God that you've called me to be. And he's telling them, 
too late. Now, I'm not telling you that they can't later get saved, but I will tell you that sovereignly there is a time when it's too late. If you look at the, the God in the testimony of the Old Testament, bringing the entire nation out from Egypt, he told them he would. In Genesis 15, he told Abram, you're going to go down to your grave a good old age, but in the fourth generation, I will bring them out. They knew he was coming. Joseph said, keep my bones right here because God's coming to get you. And when he does, take my bones with you and bury them in our homeland that he promised us. So in other words, the grave was opened and he went with them. He told them what was going to happen. And what happened before they went down there? He told them what was going to happen. He told them not to harden your heart. He told them everything that was going on sovereignly. And he's telling us as his friends, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. And you see in the text with Moses and Pharaoh, Moses, one drawn out. Moses is a type of us being drawn out from the world, being used by God as, as one who's crying out the oracles of God, the word of God, telling others the truth of God. And he's speaking to Pharaoh, who's a type of the devil in Egypt, which is a type of the world. And the Bible actually tells us over and over, probably four times, maybe five. I didn't go look. I'm not going to go look. You can go look that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Let my people go. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God showed a great sign, brought great burden, great pain to the whole nation. Let my people go. Please, Moses, plead with your God and have him take these, these uh, gnats away. Have him take these lice away. Have him, have him get rid of these frogs. When, Pharaoh? Tomorrow. No, today is the day for salvation. Not tomorrow. So you always seen the heart of Pharaoh that he really didn't want to listen to God. He didn't want to surrender to the authority of God, to the power of God. And then finally, the text clearly says... Instead of Pharaoh hardening his heart, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But see, he had already told Moses, you're going to go, you're going to do this, but he'll harden his heart and he won't let you go. But with a strong arm, a mighty arm, a mighty power, I will bring your tribes out. And then you have the Passover, the death of the firstborn, because God confirmed his heart to show his mighty power on the earth. To show that he doesn't need you to cooperate to fulfill his plan. But he's involved us. He's privileged us. He has come to save us and said, you can be in my house if you will receive me. But what did he do? He come to Israel. All those years later, he prophesied it would happen. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave the privilege, the power, the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Once again, we see the same thing because he tells us, and it's nothing new under the sun. He says in Revelation 3.20 to his church, who is apostate and following men and religious practices, behold, I stand at the door and knock as a gentleman. Anybody at home? And if anybody will hear my voice, my word, and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. We have no ability. 
We have no right to be dining at a table with God, and yet he loves us with this great love. But he says there's a time. If you don't take his counsel, if you don't listen to his word, that you reap what you sow. You'll be confirmed. These, they hesitated. These, they waited. These, they resisted. These, they ignored. And we see that. He says, the hour is already here. It's my hour. Don't interrupt what I'm doing right now because I'm going to, is, I'm going to uh, die for the sins of the world. And there's no time for the rest of that now. I'm going to continue to do the Father's will. There's no time for your selfish acts. I'm going to do what God wants to do. Don't come to me in religion later because your heart's already confirmed. And that's a scary thing, guys and gals. It's a really scary thing. When today's the days for salvation, when God graces us with his mercy and his grace, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. He come and died for us. And we go, oh, not today, Lord. I'm busy sorting my socks. Not today, Lord. I got other plans that I want to do with my life. Not today, Lord. I'm going to stay on the throne here and do my own thing. I've got some other idols I want to chase after. Listen, this is a serious, eternal peril. And the spirit of the age would tell you, you're fine. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. You're going to be okay because God, no, nobody's going to be lost except for the son of perdition. So you've got all the time in the world, the devil would say, no, today is the day to surrender, to be made whole, to decide in your heart once and for all that no matter what else goes on in life, I'm putting God first. He's going to be my authority, no matter what the trial or the damage or the pain. Because see, this is what happens as you're waiting, as you're not giving God the, His glory and receiving His counsel, then something happens in your life and it keeps you from being able to do it. Some pain comes and then you blame God. That it came, but you were never underneath his authority, his protection, his, his, his salvation. And so now you can blame God and say it was God's fault. He never did nothing for me, so now I'm mad. But you were always doing your own thing. Listen to me. You're either going to get bitter or better. And then when you start to actually think, well, I'm doing this and I'm being this. No, no, God will take your little idols out of your life. And he'll make it the only place you have to go is to him. And he always does that before he confirms your heart. There's no place else to go. The Passover is coming. The Passover has came. The Lord's Supper has come. Communion with God is now. He's knocking on the door. What are you going to do today? Surrender to him or keep chasing everything else in this world? Confirmation is coming. It's a sad thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Best to follow him. Listen to me. Listen to me. All of the firstborn died. All of the false priests died. God is sovereign. He has all power. He continues over and over to do the same testimony to draw us to him. He's written every bit of this 66 books to draw us to him. And he says here, here it is. Let's get back to it. John 12. Let's just read from 31 and following. 
now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. See, he's out on bond right now, but the devil has been cast out. He's defeated. You don't have to follow his walk. And Jesus says, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. And lifted up is meaning on a cross, to die on a Roman cross. Listen, he's drawing everyone. The question is, is will you surrender? Because if you don't receive the drawing of the Holy Spirit that convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, and you keep rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit, then he's going to confirm your heart. And it won't be. See, every person that goes to hell will be there on their own choice. Because he just confirms you. If you keep choosing death, if you keep choosing the world that's earning to sway the wicked one, if you keep choosing to do everything else except to commit to God, listen to me, then he'll give you over to that. He'll let you commit to the world. He'll let you commit to yourself. He'll let you commit to the devil. He'll let you walk in darkness. He's not going to force himself. He's standing knocking, saying, I've already died for you. I'm giving myself for you. I've done everything to lead you out of this graveyard. But it has to be your choice because I'm here to get free will vessels that will choose to be in fellowship with me for eternity. If you'll choose that, his way, not our way. You don't get to make up your way. But see, the devil wants you to make up your way. Well, I went to church this week. Not going to get you in. Read my Bible this week. Not going to get you in. I did a bunch of work. Helped old lady across the street. Not going to get you in. I made soup and handed out food in the soup kitchen. Not going to get you in. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Stop lifting up your heel against his authority in your life. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He's drawing us with all men to himself. The question is, will we surrender and receive him? The question is, will we listen or kick against the goads? Listen, he's been lifted up. We know it. They have it in secular history. We know that he was raised up on a, on a cross, a cruel Roman cross. Instead of Barabbas, he took our place. We know that he was buried. We know, if you're a believer, that he got up out of the grave. He defeated the last enemy, death. And now he's drawing you. We're not trying to draw you to Harvest Chapel. We're not trying to get you involved in a bunch of clouds of smoke and dust and do a whole bunch of fancy works that are nothing to do with the gospel. What we're wanting you to do is surrender your life to Jesus and what he's doing, which is saving souls. Listen to me. If he be lifted up, if he be lifted up, he will draw all peoples to himself. The people answered him. Now notice, because this is, this is really your heart. The way you speak to God and speak to the authority in your life and speak to others and what you say about spiritual truth is your heart of what you are hanging on to. It's your heart of whether you want to argue with God's word or reason with him from the scriptures. So listen to what they say. We have heard... You heard wrong. From the law that the Christ remains forever. 
And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Now, they didn't hear wrong completely. Remember, they just heard it from the devil. Because really, he does remain forever. But they didn't hear correctly about him dying on a cross for them, taking their place. The, 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 the Jewish rabbis would spiritualize it. The same way we're doing today. All you have to do is go to an altar and say a prayer. Everything else is spiritualized. And it's all something that, oh, no, that you don't have to do that. You can live any way you want. No, positionally you're saved. Practically you're being saved. There's, there's three legs of this race. And potentially we'll understand this one day if we say it enough and talk about it enough. But you can't stop at the starting line and expect, well, in this world you can. You can stop at the starting line and identify as somebody who's finished. And that's what the, the liar wants you to do. But your identity is hidden in Christ. And I'm going to keep saying this. I said it again this week to somebody. My identity is not that I lost my wife. My identity is hidden in Christ Jesus. Everything about me is hidden in Christ Jesus. And guess where my wife is? She's hidden in Christ Jesus. My identity is that I was a husband that loved my, Christ, my wife the way Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. And I did everything I could to make her holy and righteous and be in church and live the way that God wanted her to do. Was I perfect? No. I was a wretch. Ask her, oh good, you can't. Talk to her when you get there. But we're all wretches. There's none righteous. We're privileged to be involved. We're privileged to have a position. We're privileged to give a place at his table. We're privileged to go out and tell others something that they think is absurd. But we're still called to do it. And my identity is still in Christ. Does my heart ache? Yeah, you know, when it first happened, I walked through my tears. Now, yesterday, I was washing my face in my tears. There were so many. I'm washing my face, going like this, trying to wipe them clean, and got water all over my head from crying so much. But that's flesh. That's not spirit, because we're overwhelmingly more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And sometimes he has to take stuff out of your life so that you'll actually give your life to Him and surrender to Him and trust Him and follow Him instead of somebody else and some idol. So who's the strength of your life today? Where do you identify as being? Oh yeah, they mock us. You can identify to be anything. No, you can identify to be a Christ child, a Christ follower, and that's the only way you're making it out alive. Listen to me. That's the only identity you can have. We are hidden in Christ Jesus. Any other identity is flesh and it's going to die. Any other place that you stand is going to be met with much pain and grief and heartache and maybe a pit in hell. I'm not telling you that's where it finishes. But if you practice your life identifying with everything else instead of Christ who died and yea rose again and you practice that as your authority and the next battle, the next storm, the next thing is going to identify me. The next thing I'm going to react to it. I'm going to move by it. It's going to drag me across the room. It's going to devastate me. Then don't be surprised when you get to the end of your life and all you have is devastation and you've reaped what you've sown all your life when light has shown into your darkness. 
Listen to me. This is the scriptures. This is your soul. This is salvation. And if it's not right, then go prove me wrong. Get in the scriptures and come and show me where I am wrong. But if it's right, you need to hear the voice of God. I don't want to hear about what some other church is teaching and some other pastor's teaching or what somebody else believes or what some commentary says. What does your Bible say? What does your Lord say? What does God say to you? Because it's going to be you and him at the throne one day. Is he high and lifted up or is something else high and lifted up? There's going to be a time of confirming, just like with Pharaoh. God will confirm. He will harden your heart. Sounds like, oh, well, God made him. No, God, God put everybody's name that's ever born in the book of life. He invited them to a wedding supper, and then he starts to scratch them out when they say no. He says, oh, they're reaping death. They're chasing death. They won't listen to my voice, and he starts marking them out. He confirms them. Which, which book are you written in? What have you confirmed your life to? What is your identity in? This is salvation. This is being made whole. Pop. So they heard that the Christ lives forever, and he does. He's on the throne forever of the throne of David. It's the promise. It's, he's the seed. It's what has been planted in your heart. If we believe in Jesus, it should be growing. If it's not, we're... It's not really planted there then. I really didn't believe. Well, how do I know if it's growing? Are you going? Are you crying out? Now, I didn't say, are you perfect? I didn't say, are you making mistakes? I didn't say, or do you still sin? I said, are you going? Do you have a desire to tell somebody? See, because when you see God high and lifted up, sitting on the throne of his glory, when you see him high and lifted up and the train of his robe it fills the temple, when you see God Almighty and see that you've been saved, you've been called out of darkness, you can't shut up. I'm sorry. And you know, the way you speak might be your gift. It might not be that you're called to be an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, but we're all called to do something. And the way you speak might be with your hands, it might be with your feet. What's our memory verse? Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts, but most of all, that you should prophesy. That's foretelling the word of God. That's what we're doing here. That's what the people need out there. They don't need another government handout. They don't need to be putting somebody else sovereignly over their life. They need to look past their pain, past their suffering, onto the other side of the cross, into eternity, and see that God is still on the throne. My God is on the throne. Where's yours at? Somebody kick him off there? Maybe he's on the pot. Mount Carmel victory. That's what it says in the Phillips translation. Is your God on the pot? Maybe he's went to relieve himself. Our God never sleeps nor slumbers. Listen to me, guys. No matter what has bit you, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on, God's still on the throne, and he's the one you should always be looking to. Not to the person that died. Not to the pain. Not to the job. Not to the thing that dies. God's going to take all that one day and then he's going to say, am I on the throne? 
And what's really on the throne is going to be standing there because it's going to be the fruit of your life and you're going to reap what you sow. So it's very important today to get on your face, literally. If you don't just do it in your heart, get on your knees, get on your face and say, Lord, I don't want to follow culturanity. I don't want to follow a lie. And I know it's so easy to believe in you, but where's the evidence of salvation? Where's the fruit of righteousness? Bear fruits worthy of repentance is the standard. Oh, it's in love, but it's the standard. Don't believe somebody else's standard. As he says here, verse 12, 35, then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Listen, there's a time when the light's not there. He uses you for his mighty power to show his power upon the earth, just like he did with Pharaoh. Walk, peripateo, it's your general walk, the way you're living right now. While you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Notice you're becoming. Somebody asked me this morning again. Oh, I'm already saved. And I was like, well, if you're saved, you'll be growing. If you're saved, you'll be going. If you're saved, there's going to be fruit. Yeah, but I'm already saved. I said, you can already be saved, but there's rewards in heaven. There's, there's also a need to know right now whether I'm being deceived, whether I'm being religious, whether I'm surrendering more, whether I'm dying more, whether I'm going more. Not, not that I'm doing it to be saved, but if I'm becoming like him, there's going to be evidence of it. But if I'm walking in darkness, I don't even know where I'm going. I don't understand my identity. Listen to me. These are very important words. This is not a joke. This is the Holy Spirit wrote these purposely 35 years after the good news was given and people were already running off the rails because the devil had joined the church. And these things are written so that we might believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And that means to entrust your spiritual well-being. It means to commit. It means to trust Him and follow Him and have a constancy in it. Not a one-time thing. Oh yeah, positionally, if you truly believe you're saved. But if you go walking in darkness, living in darkness, do not be surprised that your life does not reap darkness at the end of it. Outer darkness. Because you were deceived into never listening to the light. How many people went to college and then fell out of college? Oh, I'm going to college. Yeah, what are you going for? Oh, I'm going to be a brain surgeon. Three months later, how's that working out for you? Oh, I spent the money. Guess I'm not a brain surgeon. Do you think you're going to get the degree at the end when everybody else walks across the stage? See, it doesn't work in simple things. Talk about a paycheck, a job, anything. It doesn't work. Yes, Jesus did all the work for us, but he did the work for us to remove the penalty, to remove the power, so that you would have a desire to run the race to win and to obey as he did, to learn to follow as he did, to grow and go. Even he learned perfect obedience, what? Through the things that he suffered. How does a perfect God learn perfect obedience through things that he suffers? Because he willingly came down and became an example for you and me. So when things go on, guess who's still on the throne? Guess who's sovereign in it? Guess who's allowing it? He doesn't, he doesn't tempt you with, with evil, but guess who allows the devil, the tempter, to come and tempt you? He's testing you. 
You, you spend a week in a classroom and then you get a test. Why is he testing you? So that you can survive the great temptation. You can survive that evil day that Paul talks about in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Having done all stand so that in the evil day, you're ready for it. When you have that day of Job and you have a bunch of miserable counselors standing around you saying a bunch of platitudes, a bunch of things that make no sense and they muddy up and cloud up God's counsel. You have to remember that God's still on the throne. He's never left the throne. And he loves you with a never-ending love. And you indeed need to know that when you lose everything. You need to know that God still loves you. But if you're going on emotions and feelings and what I want to do, and, and, and I'm following this idol, and I'm following this world, and I'm following this authority and that authority, and these things over here, and you're not looking past them to a sovereign God who loves you and died for you, you're going to end up in a ditch because you're following the wrong counsel. This is really serious stuff, guys. If I ever get to today's text... Because what did he do next? It's um, 36b. These things Jesus spoke. That's how he created the heavens and the earth. And then he departed and was hidden from them. Cryptos. They didn't know where he was at. He already spoke everything. Do you know where he's at? He's seated at the right hand of God in heaven. At the, at the, at the power. It's a, at the right hand is the right arm of power. He has all power. Remember he rose and he came to the boys and it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He said, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Yeah, but I'm too busy with my socks. I'm too busy with my job. I'm too busy. Those things are okay. Sort your socks. Go to your job. But are you looking past the job and saying souls need to be saved? Yeah, but they offended me. Really? wonder how offensive it was for our God and Savior to put on flesh and be beaten and nailed to a tree. But on the other side of it, he sets people free. So we have to die to ourselves and be that grain that falls into the ground and allows that fruit to grow up out of us. We are the soil of the seed of God. He's planted in our heart and he's growing up in us if we let it. But to believe that all you have to do is say one prayer and you're done... Not going to be good. Is he hidden from you right now? Are you saying, where's God at? Where's God at in all this? Where's God? Still on the throne. He ain't went nowhere. Seek him and he's got an answer. He's got a plan. He's wanting to wash and cleanse you. He's wanting to send you to the nations. So let's look. It's uh, 37 through 43 if I could even get through that many verses in one day. But although he had done so many signs, so many miracles before them, that they did not believe in him. Why? That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory 
and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Saddest verse in the Bible, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would not harden our hearts or blind our eyes, but that you would open a window for us to receive you, to walk in you, to live for you, and to stop being deceived by self-deception. Thank you for being a mighty God, mighty to save. Deliver us from ourselves, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. But although he had performed, completed, I'm going to get some words out here, done, means to make or to do. It means to abide or agree or commit. It means to yield. Think about this for a minute. Although Jesus had come and yielded so much produce, so much fruit. What do you mean, Greg? The Old Testament said he would come, that he would open blind eyes, that he would heal the lame, that he would raise the dead. And he comes and produces that same fruit because of his faith and obedience in God and being led by the Spirit. And they see it and they go, he ain't him. But he actually had produced in his life, on the face of it, standing before them, the exact same thing that the God they say they're serving was going to do. When the Messiah comes, he will. The Samaritan woman said, oh, we're told that when the, uh, when the Messiah comes, he will. I'm him, he said to her. And what did she do? She went and told everybody in the city, come meet a man that told me everything that I ever did. What did they do? They drew near. They come out. They go, now we believe because, we first believe because of what you said, your testimony, your witness, because you said it. But now we believe because we've heard his voice. We've heard his word. We've investigated. And we see the fruit. We see the produce. We see this is the Messiah that was prophesied by the word of God that would come. Right now, we're seeing the fulfillment of some other word of God. Why are they blinded? Why would they not believe? Because God already told them this was going to happen. That's why it's so important to know the word of God, to know what's getting ready to happen on the landscape next, to know what you should be doing when this happens, that happens. Receive his counsel. Hear his counsel. Listen to instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. When's your latter days? Tomorrow. When you go back out there to a dead and dying world, you're being equipped today because tomorrow you're going to go out there and somebody's going to speak roughly to you and you're going to be like, let's go, let's go, throw them up, let's go. When you should be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove and you should be looking beyond them to the throne room of God and saying, how do we save them, God? How do they come to salvation, God? Listen to me. This is what Jesus was doing in everything, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Although he did many miracles before them, came down in flesh and walked right in front of them and did it, and they were like, wow, did you see that guy come out of the grave? He said, come forth, and the dead obeyed his voice. Lazarus got back up. He's been in the grave for four days. All of our teachers told us that couldn't happen because the Spirit only dwelt for three days, and here comes Lazarus out of there. So these teachers must be messed up.
But what do they do? They listen to him at the end of Jesus' life. And they say, Barabbas is good. It's good enough. Lines up with what I'm doing so I can reap what I'm sowing. Barabbas, murderer, insurrectionist. I'll pop up here. I'm just telling you. I will pop. I'm sorry. I get excited by the word of God. Think about it because God's done miracles in your life. You're like, uh, well, see, miracles are done either supernaturally or naturally. See, just a natural thing that you're even in church on Sunday morning is a miracle. Because there's a whole lot of people that aren't. There's a whole lot of people that say they believe in God and they won't even put the scripture reference on the t-shirt. Because we're coming to a dead and dark and ugly place of reaping what we've sown as a world. And God has no desire that anyone should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And yet people are blaming it on God. It's God's fault. Look what God has done. No, he came and gave us everything, his own life. But we've hardened our hearts and he comes and confirms our hearts and says, oh, you'll have none of it? Well, I'll let you go that way. Have a nice day. I loved you with a never-ending love. That's very sad. And we all can do it in little types and little ways. You know, the foolish said no to God. All of us can be foolish. It doesn't mean we're fools. But there's times that God asks me to do stuff, and I'm like, no. But I'm not a fool. I can just still actually do the characteristics of, of a fool. But now my identity is in Christ. They did all, he did all these signs. And listen, it can't be, unless it lines up with the Bible, it's not a sign from God. God doesn't change. There's a lot of lying signs and wonders out there today even. There's a lot of things going on that look like it's religious. It looks like it's from God. But if it doesn't line up with his character, his nature, and his will, his name, the name above all names, then it's a lying sign and wonder. It's a lying provision. It's to keep you from getting to the throne room. And think about this. The veil was rent so you can come into the throne room. Well, how? Not by yourself. Only through Jesus. He makes a new and living way. He's a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Coming out of nowhere onto the landscape and you believe in him and trust in him and he's God's provision to lead you out of this world and into heaven, into God's family, to God's table. But you can't follow everything else and then wait till you get to the end of your life and go, I think I'll do that. Because he might confirm your heart on the way to the end of your life. Now think about it. You're like, well, wait a minute. And it's actually in our text today. He hung on the cross between two thieves. Because if you break one law, you've broken them all. So you might as well call them thieves. We're all thieves. Doesn't matter which command you break. You break them all if you broke one. But notice that one of them changed his mind. When you take the full counsel of God, you won't get it from one text, but you get it from the full counsel of God. They both were reviling him and listening to the ruling leaders on the ground that said, if he's the Messiah, let him come down. Let him save himself. He saved others. And so they both start doing that to him on both sides of him. And then one of them changes his mind. He repents. And he looks at the other one and he says, 
Are you going to speak to the Lord of glory like this? I'm paraphrasing. Are you going to revile the Lord like that? And he said, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom today. And he said, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because he repented. Yes, there's deathbed conversions, but don't count on it. Because your heart's going to be confirmed on the way to that deathbed. Except for the grace of God. Because we reap what we sow. Where are we at? Done all these miracles. You've seen these miracles. You've seen the hand of God. But they did not trust in him, commit to him. That's what that's going to be. There's no covenant with him. Why is that important? You'll see down in the bottom when these people that confessed him, it's the same word for, for, for uh, 1 John 1, 9. It's the same word for Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's, it's about agreeing, coming underneath his headship, coming underneath his authority. It's a marriage ceremony. When they wouldn't commit to him, then there's no marriage. There's no betrothal. I'm still committed to everything else. It's all more important than meeting with God. But, but why didn't they believe fulfilling the word of God? Watch. Did not believe in him, 38, that the word of Isaiah, Isaiah's, Isaiah's, it means Yah has saved. In the Hebrew, it means Jehovah has saved. It means Jehovah is help. That the word of Isaiah, is it really Isaiah's word? No, in the Old Testament, see, they didn't have the written Bible. They didn't have the word of God. And so what happened is God would tell a prophet something and the prophet would come and tell the people something. He was the intermediary where he would bring the word of God. So the word of God always came through the prophet. When you read Hebrews 1.1, in past times, in various manners, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to his son, who he's made heir of all things, who, who all things were created by him and through him and for him. And then he goes on with this entire dissertation to prove that there's no other Messiah, but that he's greater than the angels, that he's greater than Moses, that he's greater than all that other stuff you want to look to instead of the throne room. See, because they were under the threat of losing their place in the synagogue. And that's what we see down here. The very last verse. Started in, it started in chapter 9. The parents wouldn't answer when they had a chance to confess and talk about. All they had to talk about was not Jesus, just their son was born blind. And then he told us that he came and met a man named Jesus and now he can see. All they had to do was tell the truth and they decided not to because they were under the threat that they would lose everything to this world. Isn't that what's going on today? Because there's nothing new under the sun. There's no new plan. It's just been more silent. Now it's out in the open. Now God is dividing the sheep from the goat. He's allowing us to see it and revealing it, uncovering it. It's not hidden anymore. And he's making sure that we see it and we can make a decision so that he can confirm our hearts at the end of the age, these last days. I'm going to pop. I know it's crazy. It's the only way I can calm back down and breathe. We hope you enjoyed part one of a two-part message. Please join us here next week for part two. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. 
If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I am.